Welcome to Fallout Podcast episode 44. It's time you started thinking about the rerun that is our lives. It's a futile fall showdown, all 500-ish songs going head-to-head in four eras, 77 to 85, 86 to 93, 94 to 01, 02 to 17. Tonight, backdrop against the man whose head expanded. Why are people grudgeful against sleep, debt, snatches, junk man, and two Librans, and job search against dedication, not medication. Joined as always by Monsieur Pippington Rugby, Doris Fan. How delicious is your ironing, Phil? It's uh, incredibly delicious today. I've uh, been been busy out, you know, crucifixing race horses and avoiding Pierce Brosnan mostly. Very good, very good indeed. We have Lord Sage Temple, Jesus Lizard fan, and voice the like of on Shag. My thighs are burnt with Ochazuke. Very nice. T. Pemberton Walker, Cramps fan. Uh, Santiago Chile, Honeymoon. It's been a bit of a sad week, really, because of the, the death of my kitchen turntable. So, you know, I'll be um, giving it a good see off later on this afternoon. Uh, you know, the full steering minis uh, arranged. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just try to keep my shit together during this. All right. I should have to think what that involves, Alistair. And um, t- Tiny Tim Twa heading northeast to Saragon to kill seven of each of them. Is he with us tonight, Phil? He's tuned in. Yes, we are nice picking him up loud and and of course, I am Fergal Sharkey. I heard a lot of stories. I suppose they could be true. <laughs> All about love and what it can do to you. But joined by a special, special guest, uh, Stefan Cook, who, if you're a listener and you know anything about the fall, will be a name that's pretty familiar to you. Stefan, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask to most of our guests. Uh, what's your kind of fall story? How did you get involved in this business? I, uh, I'm ashamed to say I, I was not an immediate fall fan when I first heard them on John Peel back in the 70s. I did listen to John Peel pretty much every night. I, and I saw the fall twice in 1979, but I was always there to see the other bands. Mark was not clicking with me. I was very young. I was, you know, 79, I was 14. I moved to America. I was living in England, moved to America in 1985, moved to this area, Boston. And Boston has an incredible radio scene, just great college radio. And there were a couple of commercial stations that played The Fall. The Fall got played on the radio on several stations all the time. And this was, you know, during the Beggar's Banquet. Then it started clicking and I I started buying and I bought everything I could. Then when the internet came, first thing I do in like early 90s, I I get online and I join FallNet, which is already going, you know, it's an email list. From then I started trading cassettes with people, fall cassettes, and I started just collecting all the live gigs I could. Mid-90s, thought, well, there's this new thing, the internet. I'm going to learn how to use it. I'm going to do this fall gigography, which is what I, how it, I started with, with the fall online. It was really just, uh, you know, trying to organize my, my fall collection, my live fall collection. I, you know, I had not many tapes then, but people would email me their 
set lists, huge collectors already in in, uh, in England, you know, who have a decent collection. And uh, so I, I trade with them and I get information from them and I put it online. So that's really how it started. And from then on, you know, The Fall had been my favorite band since 80s, mid 80s, and uh, still no one's come close. Wow. Well, I'm going to be pumping you for some information through the course of this podcast. In the fallow times, I would always go to the fall uh, site when it was official and unofficial. Yeah, we were official uh, very briefly. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to ask you about that a little bit later, but fantastic source of information. And uh, yeah, let's crack on with the first song. Uh, first up, we have Lost Classic Backdrop. So, uh, Philip, as is customary, I'm coming to you first. Backdrop, 1983. Well, I, do you know what? I don't know why, but for some reason, I'd never really heard this track. I, I know that other people had kind of recommended it to me to get onto, but for some reason, it's because it's, I don't think it's on the vinyl of um, Perverted Yeah. Brown, no, so, it was never. Uh, there's no studio version of it, right? So I, I, I thought, I, I thought I knew it going into listening to it, and then after I listened to it the first time, it was like, oh my god, that riff is amazing, and it's, it is all about that riff. I think this, this song, and it's the, they use it excellently. Um, but the whole sound of it, the sort of clatter of cardboard box toms and the wall, the, the wail of feedback and the, the that dirty majestic riff and the, the it all sort of sprawls and lurches doesn't it as, as a as a creature and then you get mezzi's slurred teen angst um kitchen sink lovecraft kind of tale going on over the top and um it, it, i don't think it's the best showing from from mezzi's lyrics in terms of his what he would kind of go on to do with similar kind of topics and atmospheres but I, I love the whole atmosphere of the track, the sort of C90 recording of a, of a gig, and it's uh, it, it got extra nostalgia points for me from uh, from the sort of bandy, you know, passing demos around kind of thing. But I, I really, really enjoyed getting into this this week. I thought it was it was great. Nice, nice, uh, Alistair. What did this one do for you? Oh God, this was like really, 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 really good. Uh, I had heard it on some like expanded, you know, version of the LP, but listening to it repeatedly, uh, it's just it, it to me, it's pure music. You know, like as we've analyzed, have pure football. This is pure music. It just ticks loads of boxes for me. All the feedback, the nasty, evil sound of the drums, uh, it's just awesome. 
there's like a tension in it that, that's, that's bloody great. Hey, was it one of the ones recorded at the Hacienda? Because there was another one on the LP that was recorded though, weren't there? There, there was a time when I could recall what was where. <laughs> Information overload. Brain has just become a, a mush, a morass of uh, <laughs> Trump and uh, Republican shenanigans. Living in America, it's a full-time job just trying to keep the crazy at bay and thank you it, it would be a strange person you could cite off the top of their head which unreleased fall song this is a seminal fall track tragic that there's no studio recording i'm a little angered at, at when they put this on cd they put it on the cd at the wrong speed and that carried over to youtube it's played at the wrong speed it's way too slow you've got to speed it up by a good few percentage points to hear it properly this this recording from Brighton when it's played at the right speed it's, it's just an incredible live outing one of my favourites the, the one on the playlist is at the wrong speed yes yes it is it's way oh. too slow put it on and speed up a bit well if yeah. you put it at 1.1.1 on YouTube it'll uh, it'll sound a little closer to real then at 1.1 it's um, slightly fast at 1.05 it's still t a little too slow that's a hell I mean, that sounds like what we're familiar with. It's on in a hole, right? You started yeah. thinking. Yeah, I think we should redo the episode, Brandon. Should we just all go back and listen to that then? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love Brighton and the uh, ad lib lyrics about the steak that's bendy and trembly, and it's six foot. It's six foot cooked. It's just <laughs> incredible. No one else in the history of public music is doing anything like that ever. In the gigography, um, you know that you've got 900 plus gigs. Yeah, there's a few of us who have a the same kind of core collection and we share with the, with the people in the mighty fall face group facebook group 1000 something like that i haven't really counted them just a, another one popped up yesterday brand new to the archive uh, hollywood palace from 1986 uh, ezra what do you make of uh, backdrop well, you know, as a um, proud owner of The Fall Live in a Hole, I have heard this song before. I hadn't picked up on the speed disparity, and I've just been listening to the, the one on the playlist. You know, I'm really kind of plexed about why this song never got onto any of the albums. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering, was it because there were too many long ones on Perverted by Language? You know, you, normally they would have like maybe like one or two long tracks around that time on one album. So maybe there was a quota. Or maybe it was the fact that Mark Riley provided the music and, you know, he got booted out. And so uh, Smith didn't want anything that he'd laid his tarry fingers on. But, you know, all that aside, I think it's boss. I love the Lester YOP TEP instructor emerged from Corridor. His state subsidized cannabis haze moved reptilian in its leveling, leveling routine. Fantastic. There's also this anecdote about him, like, and it turns up in that, that TV script that he did. What was it? It was called The Otherwise, I think, with um, the fellow who, your man who did The uh, Ideal. Like, Graham Duff. Yeah, yeah, Graham Duff where he goes to score hash or speed. Well, speed, obviously. And he scores it off like a, 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 
an employee of the city who's also dealing like and i think he talks about that a bit in, in the book renegade and for me it, it, it's also fascinating the lyrics deal with the jacobite rising of 1745 which is also a part of the otherwise uh, and i don't know and again it recurs in nwra and then it goes on to this kind of like jewish character he's kind of like poking at the failed uprising and this like kind of oppressed section is the song this is from my notes is the song looking at the psychology of blame is the black dog the oppressor's projection answers on a postcard i love the feedback at the end well that's what i was going to say for me it's kind of dirgy riff it didn't really uh, connect with my pop sensibilities but then it went about nine minutes in you know it gets going the keyboards come in and some feedback yeah yeah, but, but Brendan, have you heard all the live versions, says Disco Stu. He's like, shut up. But um, <laughs> I did kind of like it. It grew on me, but it took a little while. And uh, who rode a racing horse, which I'd liberated from a Tyneside Lord, who put the yellow pedals in the Gordon's gin? Absolutely magnificent. Um, what does Timothy think of this? Monumental. Musically like an avalanche in a distant mountain that pummels towards a settlement which is grotesquely flattened during a keyboard solo worthy of sunrise, most apocalyptic mood, coupled with some of my favourite fall lyrics. PKD would be proud. A shifting time in which the same actions reduced over their essentials reoccur over and over. The empire never ended. As my corpse is made crisp and the crowds render their... When the raiments, the angels above will intone. Who put the yellow pills in the uh, uh, garden's gin? And my essence will descend from the downwards. Jesus. Almost there. Is he all right? So we've just done an hour and a half on backdrop. It's probably a good time to move on to uh, the man whose head exploded or expanded, depending on who you quote. <laughs> Oh, that's too fast, isn't it? That is too fast. It's about one point one too fast. <laughs> ah, there you go. What's going on Hello. here? Hey, you got some fucking brilliant music going on there. That's what's happening. Um, all the, the, the plinky plonky keyboards and stuff like that. It's great. It makes you wonder if it's about Chris Sivy, but it's not because it's before he did Frank. I had a discussion with uh, Mr. Chris Lee, who used to be guitar player in Mayor's Fed, who did several Peel sessions uh, about this. Because yeah, I know he loves this song. And he, he, t- he gave me a little anecdote about um, how we played it to some kid who um, lived on the same street as him. And uh, his dad coming round and having a word with uh, you know, Chris's dad. God, he's gone weird. He's gone weird since hearing it. It's about blowing your brains out. 
which is fantastic. But you know, coincidentally, uh, I had like a conversation with Chris, and I was like, "Oh, the day that the man who's had expanded gets voted off, that'll be a very sad day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna struggle with that." But backdrops just awesome uh, in a different way, a very, very different way. This is like a beautiful piece of like short pop, wonky pop. But yeah, love it. If I've made your life more difficult in any way, that's we good. always do that, Brendan, and that's that's uh, one of your strengths. Uh, Stefan, what about this one for you? It's a real classic single. Marvelous lyrics. I love when he explains the lyrics as he's going along. He actually uses explained, and you can just see the, hear the colon. I love that they used the preset Casio uh, intro. Was it trio? Yeah, they yeah, yeah. Da, da, da. So they, yeah, da, they used da, da. the song is okay, but Mark comes along and says, "Look what you can do." So they're taking this uh, this generic proletarian, just super lo-fi, banal, plinky-plonky thing and, and just using it in, in, in just a really incredible capsule of a fall single. And as an American, I just can't get over the line at the end. John Kennedy's wry slyness, the man whose head diminished. Ah, I, I just see the um, motorcade and his head diminishing. It's sick, but it, it's so funny and so out there. Just contrast with the expanded head. So I think that's just genius. Yeah, the JFK theme running through fall songs. A smarter man than any of the uh, Fallout podcast team would be able to plot that path. And uh, that man's name is Danny, if you're listening, Danny. Oh, if, you yeah. ar- if you haven't already got an article about the JFK in the fall, um, we would like to commission you with one. Um, <laughs> the shittest lyrics I heard about uh, JFK. It might have been a Jesus and Mary Chain song, and it was, uh, I want to die like JFK, I want to die in the USA. It was just like, oh, it's just lame. Yeah. A lot of people die over there that in many different ways. So just... <laughs> a bit to where you'll come from, like. <laughs> exactly. Die at home. Ezra, yeah. what's this one all about? For me, this song, it, there was a bit of a problem with it. And, you know, on, on the annotated fall, someone would have it that it's based on What I Say by Miles Davis, the Miles Davis band off Live Evil. And, yeah, there there are similarities, but to me it sounds an awful lot like Fortress Deer Park. So, yeah, it had to kind of get over that point because Fortress Deer Park is essentially, to me, one of the greatest songs they ever did. And so it had to get better than that whilst also sounding like that. And it kind of... It it's, it's interesting to me because essentially it seems to be about Coronation Street, but the music's futuristic as balls. <laughs> and maybe that's what, you know, maybe that's the charm point in it for me. I love the uh, the lyric, the scriptwriter would follow him around. Of this he was convinced. It was no coincidence. The lager seemed poisoned. It was no matter of small consequence, no little pub incidents. And I love that, no little pub incidents. And the way it it kind of like, it starts off all very like chromium craft work and it gets distended into this murkiness. So it it does kind of, you know, it does kind of flourish under its own little sun. But do I like it as much as Deer Park Fortress? I await the day we can vote Deer Park Fortress off, going out as soon as, um, as soon as it can. the air will be blue (laughs) turn that bloody blimey space invader off (laughs) meta commentary so that even though it wasn't on perverted by language the the 
the liner notes, and I've got a feeling I've read some of these before. He's got a list, and whenever there's a list, you got to read at least some of it. The man whose head expanded knew A, although the mind grew on revelation of hidden vistas, daily life became a stuttering chore. B, who stole Caffey's collection box? We have read this before. C, that Smith applied cut-up technique literally to brain etc etc there's a it's a great list and it's a great song and it's wonderful at propulsive bass the motoric drums and um, a nice slow almost a joy division ish uh, breakdown and some clashing guitars yeah it's great should have been number one it wouldn't have felt unperverted by language although a uh, backdrop definitely would but uh, it's a fine tune it's a fine tune i think but- a point i've heard before about being too many long songs may have come into the decision to not include it because of the quality of the sound from the vinyl, uh, the grooves and how tight they are. You never know. Could well be. Todd Rundgren learned that lesson when he tried to squeeze a wizard, a true star, onto a single single album. Come on, Todd, you know better than that. What about Tim 3? The Man Who's Head Expanded. Your purring of songs is unjust, Brendan. (laughs) This is totally different, but equally good. Taut and wiry. I love the guitar riff in Bridge and the way the bass and guitar are offset from one another. One of the best bass lines ever. I've always wondered how a man's head could be diminished and what it would look like. The way Mez's vocals drift out of focus like he's walking away from the mic is magical. It is indeed magical. And what do you, Phil uh, Rigby, think of this song? Oh, I, Brandon O'Leary, think that it's, it's quite deceptive, this tune, for it's, it, it's more rapid than its runtime would kind of lead you to believe. It's it's quite an expansive song when you sort of deconstruct it. But, and it, it's it's not one that I want to instantly. I, I think some of it is that Casio keyboard beat that doesn't bear any sort of rhythmic resemblance to anything else going on in the song, either in time or tone. I think it's it's when that guitar comes in, when it, when it changes into the second half of the song, and it's it's just a very sort of brute strumming that it sort of fades into and it moves away from that motoric kind of beat. I, I did find myself thinking, oh, this is this has got some interest, some interest to me, but it's got loads of charm. There's loads of bits all the way through it that made me laugh and couldn't get a carrier bag full of pneumonia and all that kind of stuff. It's it, it's like throwaway Marky Smith lines that are just absolutely uh, lovely to, to listen to and just and make me smile every single time that I hear them. It charmed me over this tune rather than being an instant hit for me, but it's uh, I do like it and I think it's got enough going on in it to uh, to get the sort of classic racing that it has. Well, let's um let's take a vote then. The first vote of the evening. It's a tricky one. Uh, Alistair, which way are you going? Well, I think I mixed my metaphors before with the um, pure music, uh, to talking music and pure football, and I think you get my points. And, I do, uh, do indeed, absolutely. Do you explain it again for me? <laughs> it's just beautiful. Um, Still not getting it. Still not getting it. I think you're avoiding the issue, Alistair. Which one are you voting for? <laughs> I'm, I'm voting for Backdrop Live. I love oh. I the, the man who's had expanded and it's a very sad day that it's been uh, forced off. And now we've got to go and, and deal with the, the death of my turntable. The trauma. The death of the wake. Uh, Stefan, which way are you going on this? Yeah, I, I cannot uh, dismiss Backdrop. It's just one of my favourites, so it's got to be Backdrop. La la. Acknowledged. Ezra? Chicken and chips off the bone. <laughs> 
Philip, Philip, which what are you? Um... Oh, I want to say that, no. What song was that? Wow. It was the other week, wasn't it? Okay, yeah, that's Kirsty. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am gonna go for the man whose head expanded. Okay, I think it's a better, I think it's a better song. Although I, I like listening to the other one more, but I do think Manu Edits Band is a better song, and that's my kind of touchstone for these votes. As criminal as this whole process is, Brendan O'Leary. Well, it's going down to the wire because I'm going to uh, the man whose head expanded as well. So it's coming down to Timothy. Oh, backdrop three, expanded head 2.9. So backdrop goes through against all all common sense and uh, goodness in the world. Backdrop (laughs) has unfortunately gone through. Brings us next to the Lee Perry cover. Why are people grudgeful? Bonus track off uh, Infotainment Scan 1993. Fucker's gone again. They're, they're off every two minutes. What's going on with them? Phil, what, what, uh, what's this right, one do for you? Get, I'm, I'm going to get mercilessly rid for this now, aren't I? But I genuinely did not know that this was a cover version. Oh, yeah, unbelievable. It's, well, it's not like he doesn't like Scar, is it? It's not like he's, he's, he's not been influenced by that style of music. And I thought that the, the, the break was like a post-punky take on doing scary like that do you mean do the triplet strumming type thing so when you, when you pointed out that it was a cover i was a little bit disappointed i was i was a little bit disappointed thinking that they'd actually pulled off a really good scar track because this really surprised me really this is another one that really grew on me this week and uh, i i've i've enjoyed it a lot listening to this in fact i said to you the other day, i've listened to these tracks more this week than i normally do for um for this, <laughs> this podcast i put myself through the punishment a bit more than i normally would this week and this is one of those tracks that i've it's been really weird, actually. I thought it was a bit forgettable at first, but it's I've, I've just really warmed to it. And I, I like the guitar playing on it. I like how relaxed it is. It sounds like they're all genuinely having fun. And it's I think as a whole, it's got a surprising amount of hooks about it that sort of just get into your ear. And... I see earworms, absolutely. But shocking that you thought all over the world, you know, come on. Although he did get walking up the street and walking back down again is, you know, maybe it's the same kind of thing, isn't it? So maybe, Ezra, what about this uh, slice of cheese for you? There's a type of reggae that if you mention it in my house, I'm going to fucking slap you. And that's called Scar. And when I hear a song that sounds like post-good Hawkwind playing Scar, whilst at the same time doing a very bad cover of I Am Curious Orange, I get really upset that's all I have to say on the matter. So, Philip, don't come to my house with your fucking Scar collection, all right? Phil's <laughs> <laughs> renowned for being a Scar fan. Well, Steph- Stefan's, uh, you're not too far from Boston, which is the home of 
scar. Scar, yeah, <laughs> we have a big scar scene. <laughs> <laughs> the mighty, mighty Boston's rest in peace. Oh yeah, I never liked them. Well, they're they're carrying on, aren't they, with their oh. uh, new? Uh, is it the singer who went? I'm not anti-back? sure. Yeah, I think so. Why are people grudgeful? Well, this is uh, this was a bonus track, right, on Infotainment. Yeah, yeah. I like the single version quite a bit better. It's much weirder. This is a more of a straight, I mean, not straight, straight, but, you know, fall doing reggae. I like the idea. I liked Kimball that came out a little bit before this. And I, I'm a huge fan of uh, Lee Perry. Huge, huge fan. I love him to bits. Uh, but this, you know, where are people dreadful? Well, I, I can take it or leave it. Even though the, I like the LP a lot. I, and I, I like uh, the Dave Bush influence over the top. Weird electronics on top of the reggae. It's It, it was a little... Uh, uh, I think it was unique at the time, maybe. The it's early nineties, okay. there okay. was a there was a reggae comeback with reggae pop kind of stuff was big. Uh, Shakadima Suppliers, one of Phil's favourites, and um, Ace and Bass, Swedish reggae, was okay. huge in, in Britain. What's it wasn't Cutty Ranks, though, was it? It wasn't Cutty Ranks. It wasn't Cutty yeah, Ranks. So, no, Yellow Man. Possibly the cheesiest fall song ever uh mm. really high tempo high energy kind of funky side proper going for it scanlon and hanley nailing some full-on studio reggae but god make it stop is what i was thinking um, um <laughs> and then you go back and listen to uh, lee perry's uh, people funny boy and um and then joe gibbs who did the people grudgeful and they're both based on the same kind of uh, rhythm as um as was the, the custom in uh, reggae circles at that time uh, yeah i don't know i'm torn i really love it but it's awful um <laughs> alistair this is right up your street isn't it al i think i remember this one being in the festive 50 like on peel show at the time along with, is, is it i'm going to spain on this mlp yeah uh, yeah so somebody kind of like voted for that i got i'm going to spain got in the, the 50 as well as uh, ezra mentioned that he, he, i couldn't get over the curious orange thing it was like yeah that's, that's dead similar but yeah it's a bit of recycling uh, it's a cover it's pleasant enough and it, for, I suppose from that recording of infotainment scam I think it's probably w- one of the more accessible ones essentially to me it seems a little bit like the fall doing Paul Simon or something uh, the worst things worst things in the world Alistair what does Tim think Tim will have no time for this is that what you're going for maybe the most danceable fall song this is a Lee Perry thing right this is cheesy as hell but infectious and I can't help grinning like a or when it's on or when it's not on <laughs> <laughs> let's have a listen <laughs> the, the man who cannot answer back i await your response in three weeks time <laughs> sleep debt snatches a b-side from 
Right, Al, I saw that grin on your face when the Hey Mr. Right Policeman uh, drums came in. You're, you're first. Oh, no, it wasn't that. But yeah, it does, it does get into that territory, though. But um, I do like this. Um, it starts off kind of like forky sounding. And, you know, if you're getting a bit tenuous, you remind me a little bit of Ali Farker too, right? Um, just in little snatches of how the guitar was being played. Then it goes all gentle John on your ass like Gordon is a moron. Uh, and it's like, right, what are you doing here? It's, it's a, a right journey, because then it goes into like the, the nice repetitive groove with the, the noises uh, that kind of reminded me of Riot Policeman or like some sort of dub crowd rock electro sort of thing, which I found very nice. But yeah, the bit at the beginning, uh, sounds like they've not got the, the, the snare on the snare drum. So it's just like a ping kind of thing, which is very nice. And that's something that... Jackie Liebsites uh, used to do uh, the camp. But yeah, this is a, a very nice tune. Great sweet. It's a, a kind of hidden gem, really. Ezra, this one tickled your fancies, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Think how great God's golden assurance is in setbacks and great success. Got bad dreams through sleep debt. Hold the grip. Make a mark on your head. Your body and your legs take a rightful rest while you're left to hell's dispatches. Grip the mind. Kids, close the hatches. Here are some sleep debt snatches. It's fantastic. It's beyond good. It's great. I mean, like, that's the exact kind of, like, industrial thrutching that I just live and die for. It's fantastic. It, you know, on the on the Bunker Chat, one of us was talking about listening to music and getting the horrors. Such a lovely thing to happen in <laughs> retrospect, with hindsight, to get the horrors from a piece of music. And if I'd have heard this, I, like, I haven't heard this until um, until you put it up on the playlist, but if I had heard this at the right time, I would have been wetting my bed with sleep paralysis, fan, phantasmagorical, beautiful. Oh, if you, exactly. If you had uh, suffered that ailment, there's a song later that uh, might be able to help you out. <laughs> Um, I won't give too much away, but it's the only song in the Falls catalogue that mentions somebody in this room, allegedly. Um, <laughs> we'll come to that later. Uh, Stefan, the, uh, were you, are you well aware of this song? I mean, I'm guessing. Yeah, so. yeah. Sleep that snatches. I mean, it is very well hidden uh, on the 12 inch of There's a Ghost in My House. And then it was compiled a couple of times. Oh, I love it to pieces. Uh, the poem that Ezra recited is one of my favorite Marky Smith poems. I just love how he, it's its all serious. And then grip the mind, kids, close the hatches. I just think that's such a great line. So he sets up his nighttime dilemma of trying to have a good night's sleep, but the nightmares ensue after after he lies down. And uh, it's, it's a very eerie, nightmarish seeming uh, song. It, the instrumental part goes on for like five and a half minutes. It could go on longer. It's just right up my alley. So I think they've been listening to uh, Craig Leon's Nomos LP, Mollusk and Tyrol. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, yeah. the uh, Donkeys and Cups track on that LP is, is the instrumental thing from Mollusk that was used as an intro tape for many gigs. And I, I just think when the fall gets experimental like that and uh, works, and this one works very, very well. Nice. Yeah, beautiful. 
I'm keeping myself <laughs> muted because I'm eating grapes. Uh, apparently, this is part of Hey Luciani. I don't know. It's yeah, read that right. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was listening to uh, the Old Brother podcast today, and they were talking to Keynes from the auteurs, that, and, and they were talking about Hey, hey Luciani and how it's a travesty that neither that or Curious Orange was recorded in any in any real form. Yeah, I would love to have seen it in in the context of that play because it is a, a wonderful tune that yeah I'd heard here and there, but it is really. Uh, well hidden it's a, a real gem as as mez joyfully describes his psychosis as a this horrific idea of of, of his left being hell's dispatches and his body and is out of his control <laughs> and yet he's uh grinning and, and uh, laughing all the way through it minimal spidery guitar and someone hitting something hypnotic and narcotic and narcoleptic never sure about the 80s 90s drum beat but uh here maybe i'll let it slide Philip, what do you reckon? I think you made a comment earlier in the week on the WhatsApp and, and Stefan's used the word as well, but experimental is the is the word for this, isn't it? It's this is this is post-pot avant-garde and done brilliantly well. Really easy from the skiffly start right into that sort of experimental techno with um, sort of prepared guitar noises going on over the top of it. It's, it, but it's that kind of description just doesn't do it justice at all. It's, it, it really has to be heard to kind of get into it. I can't think of anything else like it, really. I can't think of another band that would be prepared to do something like this, which is potentially so sort of alienating to the audience. But it's it, the, the fall just have got this knack of being able to do it, haven't they? And, and to create something that's you know, we're listening to it years after the fact now and thinking, oh, it's, this is genuinely good art, this. I, I think it's it's one of those pieces that will learn, that will keep them to be legends for years to come, isn't it? But uh, yeah, fantastic, really good. Sweet, yeah. What about Timothy? What has he put? He has said... And <laughs> the real good shit. Country music snap and folky delivery mask a nightmarish descent which starts to rumble on. Even as the song ends, it continues on into eternity in some other realm. I know tiredness well, and this is my torture lullaby. Beautiful. I've been drinking, honey. Drinking the sweet, sweet juice of truth. Let's uh, take a vote. I am going for sleep debt. How about you, Alistair? Yeah, got a bit of sleep debt going on. Aye, aye. Stefan? Yes, of course. Sleep debt snatches. Excellent. Um, Ezra? Thank you. And Phil? The lone dissenting voice? Grudgeful. Whatever. All right. (laughs) Let's Good on you, Phil. Good on you. <laughs> it doesn't matter, no, it does it? It doesn't matter if I walk a man of integrity. In the better song. I just like that look of disappointment on Brendan's face when I, when I do the uh, the contrary vote. Philip, I have nothing but disappointment in you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in myself. We are but mirrors. Uh, speaking of disappointment, why don't we listen to Junkman? <laughs> the uh, Groundhog's cover from Middle Class Revolt. <laughs> Turn it into 
I'm not a psychic, Brandon, but I'm picking up that you, you're not a big fan of this tune. Listen, Phil, you're, you're getting dangerously close to losing your screen sharing um, privileges <laughs> with you playing two minutes of this one. Uh, Stefan, I'm going to come to you first. What do you think of uh, Junkman? Yeah, Junkman, another one I don't return to often. It's not an LP I return to all that much, uh, Middle Class Revolt, although the live gigs around that time were, were pretty good. I think Mark wanted to just pay tribute to the Groundhogs. I, I think it was uh, more of a, a kindness he did to point, you know, the Groundhogs, at least in America, are not that well known. Uh, they've, they've fallen out of fashion. They might have been well known in the very early 70s. I don't remember hearing all that much about them when I lived in England either. Of course, I listened to them since because of the fall. And that LP splits that it comes from is great. And the Junk Man by the Groundhogs is really quite a great song. I mean, uh, it's very, very experimental, unlike this cover. So I, I read, I, I think it's Daryl Isla who said, uh, Mark asked the group to play the song without rehearsing or without hearing it again, you know, without listening to it. So I just think that's kind of brave. <laughs> and uh, I like it for that that reason. I think the don't give a fuck attitude of putting it on a, an LP works really well. Yeah, and the kazoo. <laughs> nice to hear some kazoo. I, I think, is that Carl playing the kazoo? I don't know. Pretty good. Yeah. Um, Not as good as the next track. Got a lot to do. Um, yeah, I get you. And I'm, I'm in a similar position of liking it for everything other than the music itself. <laughs> I like that it's a Groundhog's cover and it pointed me back towards them. I hadn't listened to them for years and I had a good listen this week. The really wonky experimental blues, fantastic stuff. <laughs> but yeah, the song, the, the version itself, <laughs> no thank you. Um, just totally phoned in and uh, if I was anywhere near that studio, I would have been snatching that kazoo out of <laughs> Carl Burns's hands if that's what was going on. Uh, although from what I hear, he might not have given up without uh, with that fight, he's a quite a feisty character. Yeah. Yeah, Ezra. What about this one for you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that much about the Groundhogs, but I do like Kazoo. I think the big question for me in this is, like, was Mark doing all of the lyrics? Oh, yeah, it's very, very improvised lyrics. Sorry, the vocals of the lyrics, because there might be a backing vocal on there. Uh, yeah, I mean, the vocals, yeah. It seems like the vocals and the Kazoo take the part of the guitar. I was like, yeah, you know, is this like Mark getting into the kind of later period thing? Or, But I don't know. I mean, you know, for, for a whirl around, the back of the bike sheds it's sufficient i suppose that is what we're here for the efficient the covers efficiency exactly meet the, this monthly quota what about tim tim three it's curious isn't it let's see what he's put so he's put do 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 nice kazoo best thing on this album and it's shit well not shit but there's about 30 seconds of ideas in it goes on for four and a half minutes yeah, Middle Class Revolt has not got any love. Unlike some other LPs that may have got a little bit more... Uh, I like that uh, Shaman cover one. That, I don't think the followers involved in that. I think that was me and Phil. No, 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 no. The Shaman cover one. No, 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 no. Where he's oh, 
talking about. No, 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 no. Hang out with my feet. No, 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 no. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the city dweller. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, that's yeah, a good that one. It's decent. There are some moments on it, and I'm sure we'll come to them, but uh, they are few and far between. Uh, Alistair, what about Junkman? Well, um, I have got a Groundhog's LP somewhere. I'd have to search for it. But yeah, it's like the minimal sort of like bass and drums thing. And I do like a kazoo. Yeah. Long live kazoo playing, being on the unpopular music. But I'd, I'd like to have heard it with like two drummers and maybe like a bit more of a, a Les Dawson approach again. It's second week in a row of uh, mentioning that, but making a bit more chaotic, a bit more funny. The rest. <laughs> Bit, bit put, it, put it in the red, Alistair. Make, 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 make it a bit more crampsy. Jesus, might, you, do you know what? Since you mentioned it, I'll go with that one. Yeah. Speed it up. That Jim Perky. Terms. <laughs> oh no, well, that's not speeding it up. That's that's actually having animals in a band with you. <laughs> Beautiful. What's the other person in this room who's not smoking? <laughs> Phil Rippy. Phil Rippy. What do you think about this? <laughs> I think you're all a show of shit. I think this is great. <laughs> and I, I and I'm so I'm gonna defend it. I've, I've got the bit between my teeth now. I think that this recording, I tell you what it reminds me of. It reminds me of going watching something like a Bertolt Brecht play. Me, me too. Actual... I was thinking that. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so were the were the actual performers? Uh, are, are singing and performing on stage with something and I imagine like the dustbins getting hit and a bit like what's it called Stamp or Stamp <laughs> Stamp Blue Man Group Blue Man Group yeah it could be a bit like that um, but they're all but performing it on stage so you're not expecting it to be crisp recorded you're expecting it to be sort of you know emotional full of feelings and I think that sort of it's another one with cowboy box drums and kazoo and all kind of clattery coming together but I think the lyrics are great in it so who stole the sugar out of my molasses who stole the alcohol out of my beer and all that kind of stuff. brilliant brilliant you don't know what you're talking about you know? well it's up against uh, two Librans off the unutterable 2000 so this is the other side of a very tumultuous half decade between middle class revolt and um, unutterable let's have a let's have a gander wrong song yeah give him a minute <laughs> give him give him a bloody minute as well come on the wrong ones are the best there were two Librans set on a hill and a wall, always exited to the easy gates, exit for two years to be perfect. Great, and uh, it's like Al. That was a nice little like video, almost of uh, having you walk through your house, uh, bopping along to it. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I, I did like the grief that, and I've not got my notes down here. I'm just pouring myself a drink. But yeah, there's some really good like dynamics going on with it, uh, and the groove. Uh, it does sound a little bit polished, like they've you know been um, playing around in the studio. Quite heftily, but you know the, the end product's good because they, they've done stuff with it. It's been like massively like studio produced, and it sounds like dog shit. With that, it's it's well crafted kind of like pop song with a garagey feel, so a bit Stooges. 
I like that one. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Ezra, what about this for you? Well, you know, like um, listening to tracks off this album, it always reminds me of Melt Banana because you know the first time I saw Melt Banana, they were they were a functional hardcore band with a rhythm section. So you know, it was like vocal, guitar, drums, bass. Then the next time I saw them, they'd gotten rid of the bass player and the drums, and it was all off a backing track. And I was like, do you call this hardcore? This is a disgrace. You're a disgrace, Melt Banana. You have disgraced everything that I hold to be good. And it upset me a great deal. I was deeply, deeply upset. And it's ironic, some could say precog, that Al would be wearing a Melt Banana t-shirt tonight. But anyway, <laughs> Ezra, here. Counter arguing to that one. You know, sometimes people do stuff that's shit, like, but you've got to go back to the stuff that's fucking awesome. And they did plenty of stuff that was fucking awesome with the, the tiny little Japanese bass player who looked like their arms weren't long enough to actually stretch for the uh, arse end of the frets. Like, you know, they did some like brilliant stuff. And I know what you mean. And I agree with you in that respect where he just sounded a bit too artificial in well, really, real bass. But in the early days, Melt Banana, Scratch Stitch, that was proper like hardcore. But yeah, when they got into it, I think it was Charlie was the first LP that was like, whoa, this is very different. And they still had the best player on that one. You got Teeny Shiny after that and Cellscape, three amazing LPs. But here with two Librans. Hey, good. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, you did. <laughs> this isn't a debate. It's question time. David <laughs> Frost. Thank you. We see how it can be done because this is essentially karaoke fall with Marky Smith singing over a bunch of fucking backing loops. And it sounds incandescent. It's beyond good. It's, I've probably said this so many times, so I'm not going to even say it. Two Librans reflect, two Librans high and low in mind to Oprah Winfrey. She studied bees. She studied bees. Studied bees. Down two Librans exit <laughs> to two years to be perfect. Two Librans reflect two Librans the miracles on Blonde September back to the lick back to the deviant the Cambodian Cambodian. It's it is just beyond good. I, I, I said that. I said that. I said that before. But the Cambodian. <laughs> Come on, let's wrap it up. <laughs> he he like, just ties it point. together. And the thing that ties <laughs> it together is the way that he's like, two Librans! <laughs> right, good, we get it, you like it. Oh. Right. Stefan? It's um, one of the beautiful, best <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Uh, Stefan, what about this one for you? Yeah, yeah, uh, two Librans. Uh, I was just floored when the unutterable came out i thought this lp is so much better than it has any right to be it's accessible uh in a way that levitate wasn't and the marshall suite wasn't it's very uh traditional in the guitar neville wilding with his buzzsaw guitar which suits me just fine he sounds like johnny ramon almost uh there i think the lyrics are impenetrable i have absolutely no idea what he's going on about I waded through the annotated fall and all the, the, you know, the endless discussion of what the lyrics are. And I think this is why I don't try to decipher the lyrics because I just like the sound. Marky Smith's delivery in this song works perfectly with the music in a way that only, only the fall can do. And it's a completely different band. 
brand new band. How do they do it? How does he do it? He, he just uh, corrals these uh, people off the street and just uh, gets them in the studio. And it's just, it's really quite alchemical magic. It's its really something else. And uh, it's really uh, such a great LP, such a great track. That and Dr. Buck's Letter are just two of my favorites of all time. What can you say? It's better than Junk Man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, we've, we've all said a lot of nice things about Unutterable and it's not an album that I think any of us were huge familiar with it is in that period where i think uh i particularly dropped in and out around that that period i, I like levitate marshall sweet i was hearing that is yeah absolutely amazing i do wonder if saying this how much of it is loops whether some of that guitar stuff is just all pro tools kind of loop but it works yeah. perfectly for yeah. this it works uh, those razor guitars uh, on the chorus are uh, great tune and yeah never wilding shut only shut up for a couple of records but he did a lot of great stuff and phil you said did you see him live in this period and you you said some nice things about wilding's yeah, guitar very, it's all about the power of this stuff and that was certainly his presence when he was on the stage i was uh, obviously being a guitarist i'm quite fussy about the guitarist and picky and stuff but it was a very energetic performance. Just going back to what Stefan was saying, I think Mez just knew what he wanted, didn't he? If he's got if he's got a clear idea about what it is that he wants, those later albums tended to be really good. Whereas in the early days, I think he they'd been along around each other long enough to do more experimental stuff, hadn't they? Whereas the later experimental stuff was just kind of Mez doing his thing, wasn't it? With tape recorders. Yeah. What do you make of, of the track? Yeah, so I'd echo a lot of what everybody else has been saying, really, which is that it's very, it's a very tight track, isn't it? And it ticks lots of cool rock boxes, which is the sound that they're going for. I thought that the the bass of the riff was very Hanley esque. I thought it that's that's kind of what it reminded me of dynamic wise, and I I really like the guitar on the chorus. I think that all works really well, but the the overly simplistic guitar on the verse I found a bit off putting to be honest with you but it's the lyrics as soon as he said she studied bees in this tune I was like I was laughing I'm just thinking yes it's a great tune it's got it's everything that you actually want from a from a fall track it's, it's silly and it kicks ass doesn't it in terms of the actual music itself so yeah, that's a great track. Sweet, sweet. Now, Alistair, we, we, we know what you think about uh, Melt Bananas mid-period, but what do you think about Two Librans? I kind of mentioned it before when I walked downstairs, I think, and I was dancing away. Uh, oh, you did, didn't you? Sorry, it's yeah, that time of the evening. It certainly is. You're doing well tonight, though, Brendan. Well done, there. <laughs> oh, I'm all over the place. Uh, but Tim hasn't said anything yet, has he? What's he's Tim not, think? No. So he's bought... I like this track, but wish it was a bit less sterile and neat. It's tamed fall. Also, no example of men being up, on, in, long, hills, street number 76. I like the baroquish discord of descending half a step down trill, like in the guitar riff. Exactly. Nelson and Timor Tolstoy in Chechnya. Let's um, let's take a vote. Junk Man or Two Librans? Phil? You know where I'm voting. All right. Alistair? That Librans plays. Yes, yes. Ezra? You know, the amazing thing is, is that Opal Winfrey, <laughs> in fact, never studied bees. As far as we know. Not, not officially. I don't know her transcript. But who knows in her free time. I studied. Exactly. Yeah, two Librans. Nice. And uh, same for me. So uh, I'm, uh, what about Tim? 
Two one to lead runs. All right, so it goes through, and we're going to end the last uh, showdown of the evening. We have a job search, which was a track that was given to St. John Peel on his 65th birthday. You know, from family and friends. Right, you don't need all that, really. It never, never hurts, though, does it? On this acetate, am I right in saying that? And therefore, of, of who this is. Third week in a row, we've uh, heard the uh, systematic abuse riff. This time, played uh, by I'm guessing Eleni on her uh, on her Bon Tempi. Riff is completely unnecessary in the song. And on, I know you said earlier about the, uh, the the Casio one, the man who's head expanded, but this is far more egregious version of that. This is completely out of time, out of tune. It just it it um it doesn't ruin but it doesn't add. Uh, but underneath it, there is a sweet kind of gnarly experimental kind of tune going on. And uh, I really like Smith's uh, delivery and his lyrics. Uh, seems to be imagining if Peel had retired at 65, because he's, he seems to be talking about the other Radio 1 or Radio DJs who might take his place. And I think the sweet sentiment is like, no, oh, John, no one can replace you. Never meet your heroes and vice versa. <laughs> they are so desperate. They are rhododendrons of the radio, imitating rhododendrons to get work job search fooling themselves via mark lamar that they are reggae experts job search <laughs> it's brilliant and then the, one of the uh, i think he's talking about stuart mcconey who uh wigan boy uh, that he never liked mcconey it was always like being in an army interrogation center i've got a long memory i remember doing a, a session for mark radcliffe and he thought he was going to depose john peel he came along to a session once and i said get out of here peel never comes to the john peel sessions and i said what are you doing here fuck off <laughs> so uh, uh, all in all uh, i really liked it it grew on me a lot phil what did it do for you so the first time I put it on, I was just like, what the fuck is this? Another one that I'm going to have to fucking listen to over and over, he's going to kill me. And then the second time that I put it on, it just all clicked and it worked. And I was like, I think I think it was also following along with the words because it is quite difficult to penetrate the sound and just actually just to hear what it is that he's saying. But 
I, I disagree with you about the, the juxtaposition of the baseline and where everything else is going on. I think within a couple of minutes, I, I think it's all working. I think dynamically, it's the, the sonics all kind of come together with it. And that wistfulness. Yeah, I think all the textures work, but it, it just takes a while for your ear to get accustomed to it. But it's it's really worthwhile and the lyrics are amazing in it. I, I, I must admit, when I first heard it, I thought, oh, is this like a throwaway thing that they've just done as a bit of a sort of prezzy, as, as you would for somebody if you were doing like a musical influence. But um, I, I think a lot of work, a lot of thoughts gone into this. For me, anyway, it, uh, it works. I thought it was excellent. Yeah, yeah, I think that while they were recording, in the Peel session around that time so I think they did it during the session and probably some improvisation in there but who knows maybe you had a bit of time to write um, Al what about this one? Yeah I quite like it um, I like the lo-fi feel to it gives it a kind of earthy sound a bit quite rocky which isn't a bad thing but yeah with it being a Peel session you're working with some like shit art fucking producers who've won like BAFTAs and things like that for the work that they've done you're using the, the top end equipment but it's, it's a brilliant experience the thing about it, Peel never goes, comes to Peel sessions he did later on uh, with the live sessions and uh, yeah so I've seen uh, Von Bondi's and uh, T. Romeshmere doing live Peel sessions I think Phil put us up after uh, the Von Bondi's one with yeah, Andrew. I remember watching the Von Bondi's yeah 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 and uh, Jack White was in that one and uh, it was very polite and very tall it's an okay song it's interesting a bit of an experimental piece can't complain about that it's interesting not brilliant but not shit good good hey, Stefan how about this one it's, it's one of the most intriguing fall tracks the last song recorded for John Peel after 24 sessions going back to 1978 I mean it wasn't broadcast as part of the Peel session it was uh, recorded at the same time but not broadcast and um, I think Mark didn't want it included in the broadcast because I think it was really for John Peel as, as a present they they always had a sort of at a distance relationship Mark went out of his way not to praise John Peel or thank him overly for all the help John Peel gave him, which is par for the course. That's what Mark is like. And uh, and John, being the wonderful guy he was, uh, did not bemoan the fact that Mark wasn't uh, championing his, his good work at Radio 1 for all those years. But as a track, I agree with keyboards. They don't don't fit. They don't click with me at all. I mean, I, the, the song is not clicking with me. The lyrics, I can't make her, I can't hear. So I'm left wondering, what did John Peel think of this? Did he spend hours trying to decipher the lyrics? I mean, there's a message, a hidden message in here for me. You know, it's mentioning all these uh, peers of mine. But did John Peel understand? I don't, I don't know. And uh, we can't ask him. And um, unfortunately, he wasn't around for after a few months after this uh, recording. He was no more. Yeah. If only we could have said, do you ken John Peel? Ezra, about this one. Well, you know, I hear so much carping. 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 About this song, Systematic Abuse, which I actually happen to feel is a, a kind of a, you might say, a ruby in the Falls Back catalogue. And and I hadn't even placed the riff, but it's there in this song. <laughs> and it just goes to show, it just goes to show how great that song was, is, and will ever be. And, and this song is... 
fucking great also and you know brendan you you already uh quoted a lot of the lyrics that i was going to read but he goes on to say after. Well, I apologise for that. I apologise for for, for overstepping oh, no. my my boundaries. It's okay. It's okay. I forgive you. I, you know, after lambasting Mark Lamar for his lack of reggae perfectionism, he's like, "Hi, JP. You're out of sight and mind. I'm coming over to see you, but one step at a time." And I thought it was quite beautiful, and it reminded me a lot of you know around the time when he was getting super sick and cancelling a lot of gigs and he sent out this message to the fans I love you all but I can't embrace you all and to me this really reminded me of that and I felt it was quite beautiful and you know from a public figure who really like you know his his stock and trade is just shitting venom in everyone's face which is why everybody loves him why I love him yeah you know and I just think it's glorious when when you see that kind of like love and so that's why I love this tune I love the idea of shitting venom <laughs> what does Tim 3 think of this song the hypnotic bit of weirdness is a delight what a birthday gift the guitar riff is pure desolation blues warbling away in the blue depths and that bass synth riff just insistently piles on over and over, filtered to all hell and back, but peeping up into a snarl every now and then. I find it impossible to focus on what Mez is going on about, but I'm sure Ezra and Brendan will enlighten us. <clears throat> More things we've stolen from the annotated fall. We are really up to our necks in hock to those people. We cannot uh, thank you enough. Phil, why don't you play the next song? <laughs> What are the chances of this happening? So, Stefan, there's 500 fall songs, and I chose these songs completely randomly. And I, my mind was blown when I started reading the annotated fall that there's a suggestion that the line, Connie Cookie 
how dare you prescribe bed wet pills and sad grief is there any truth to this rumor that this was directed towards you conway and i firmly believe so yeah the lp version uh it's way more elaborate about how we are the uh, anti-fall association i i was just delighted to be mentioned in the fall song and actually pretty delighted that he's ripping on me, you know, spitting venom. I don't know why he uh, decided that I was the enemy, but uh, somewhere else, or, or Conway, because actually Conway did so much more for The Fall than, than I ever did. He, he's, he was involved in uh, many of the reissues on Sanctuary and Castle. I, I mean, I, I think, I don't know what to make of it, but I was delighted and I still am. And I love the track. I love it, especially the LP version. It's longer and um, it has the back and forth between Mark and Ding. It's it's great stuff. You're in good company with P.S. Brosnan. To, yeah. <laughs> you know, for dishing out these bedwet pills. Is there is there a story behind the, the website becoming official and unofficial? Running the fall news, I, I wanted to be fair in my reporting. Uh, and I wasn't going to be dictated as to what is mentioned and what isn't mentioned. I'm, I'm, I saw the website as a service to the fall fans. And I also really wanted it to help the group. And uh, I think it did. But Mark, you know, being a control freak, couldn't get past the idea that he didn't have total control over the contents. I don't actually remember what happened to change his mind about go- switching from official to unofficial. It's like, must have been 20 years ago now. I mean, the, the management changed around the early 2000s. And I think the new manager who came in really had a, a problem with, with the website. I assumed that he wanted us to go away. And in fact, he would write to me and say, you know, if you don't take this down or take the website down, I'm going to sue you. I'm going to, fortunately, I'm over here in America and he's over there in England. So it stayed up and nothing ever happened. And we became unofficial and everything is fine. And now it's, you know, it's sort of a memorial to Mark, at least the fall news is. I still work on the gigography when I have time and the forum is still going. Yeah, it's it, it served its purpose, I think. Now we've been superseded maybe by, you know, the track record and the annotated fall. And there's a lot of different websites. But back when I started it um, with uh, the Lyrics Parade and uh, the Fall News, I was doing the geography. Rich Kid was doing the Fall News. Uh, Jeff Curtis. Uh, we were all part of the email list that I mentioned earlier, and uh, we just pulled our little websites together. I think that was a great day. I remember being so proud, 96, 97. I, mean, I loved working on it. It's fantastic. It's a wonderful resource. And all the way back, yeah, from the very first times I got into the fall, I would always drop by the uh, see what's happening. So, yeah, thanks for all your your service, your years of service. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for uh, being a fall fan. <laughs> uh, Alistair, let's uh, let's have a look at dedication, not medication. What do you reckon? Well, I'm just thinking about what Steph said. Like in um, in throughout the program, there's been a few things like going about like collecting tapes. Um, you know, we used to go down to um, the corn exchange before the old powder keg incident, and uh, you used to be able to get loads of bootleg cassettes down there. 
And yeah, you just finding stuff like that was was brilliant. But I suppose having a ripping out of well from Mark Smith, it's an honour. Uh, but yeah, I can see how you might take it a little bit personally. And, um, you, you know, hats off as they say over here. I don't know if they say it over in the, the Gretel USA, like. But hats off to you for the, the the work that you've done to sort of like catalogue the Falls work. But yeah, the song. It's a solid minimalist groove with it, like a bit of an industrial feel. Some very kind of mechanical rhythms uh, with some nice like basics, and, and uh, I, I do like the the tremolo on the guitar. Some nice lyrics, don't mind them. And some nasty lyrics. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's, it's a double-edged sword, and it like you know, it's all part of history. Right, it's indeed. Like, time's gone by. It has, Philip. What do you make of uh, DNM? So I, I really love this. This line is really hard working. He's chugging away, isn't he, on that? And I thought it was Eleni doing the uh, doing the music over the top, but it isn't. It's it's the guitarist, isn't it? And I think he's got the writing credit on it as well with that. Because I, I I really liked that sort of out of fades. It's it all sounds like it's a bit sort of slippy and it's it's not sitting totally on the beat and stuff, which is. A bit of a embellishment to this this kind of fast churn bass line that's going on all the way through. Lyrics just inspired. So I think it's it's pretty. as soon as he mentions Pierce Brosnan at the start of it, I'm, I was laughing away. But it's quite simple in terms of it's it's very straightforward. It's to get the to get the groove going, and then there's like that sort of quite fast break, where it's a simple break as well that they do, and then it's just straight back into the, the that churning bass line and this this weird out of phase. To uh, guitar that they, they play over the top. I, I, I love this album and I think it's a great track off this album. I mean, I was asking myself, why did Eleni's riffs get so beefy on this album? Because there's a lot of those big beefy synths, but I think Greenway was doing quite a lot of it. It's, it's, um, it's got a real strong feel. This, this sublingual tablet album is a great record. That wonky riff, a sh- nice shuffling beat. They're talking about things that no other band would ever do. Who's singing about getting bedwet pills? Nobody in the world is, is putting those lyrics on a record uh, and then and then using it to uh, to attack other people for, for no reason. It's just it's absolute madness. Ezra, what do you reckon? Yeah, it's smashing. I mean, you know, one of the first things I thought was Orteca, like with yes. that. With that yeah, kind yeah. of FM, and from what you guys are saying, maybe it's an FM guitar. You know, I assumed it was Elaney, like kind of like bouncing in. And I love the way it kind of sits between the drums. It's, it almost becomes like this kind of like ping pong machine of grief. And he's like, hurly whirly, how can you prescribe? Sad grief and bedwet pill. Ray Lord, whirly, how dare you prescribe sad grief, bad chest, sad grief, bedwet pill. I thought it was uh, hilarious. I mean, you know, like right now there's this, um, I don't know how much you fellas care about cinema, but there's this incredibly poncy kind of like uh, director known as Gaspar Noe. This film called Vortex. It might be quite good. I'm not a big fan of the Gaspar Noe's of this world. They feel like Elon Musk with fucking French accents to me. But anyways, this one's got Dario Argento. And I'm a slight fan of Dario Argento's of this world. And it's all about how shit it is to grow old and die. When I come to these lyrics and when I think about the way that Marky Smith grew old 
and died. I wonder if this might not be better. That's a poignant way to end. I wonder what Tim 3 thinks of this song. Another latter-day blinder. Sad grief and bedwet pills always makes me think of ageing and decrepitude. But who the fuck knows? I love the jam feel of the track. Seems somehow organic and blistering. Mm. It's, it's a rage against the dying of the light kind of thing. Let's take a vote. Job search against dedication, not medication. Ezra, which way are you going? Oh, it's fucking tough. It's fucking tough. Uh, 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 job search. Ooh, ooh. Philip? It is tough. It is tough. And uh, I'm going to go with dedication, but it's possible because I've just not heard job search. Enough. Fair enough. Alistair? Well, if you're going to be the best and you're going to beat the rest, then uh, I think dedication might be what you need. But don't quote me on that. Stefan? Yeah, well, no surprises. It's dedication for me. Aye, aye. And um, I'm also going to go with dedication, even though I, I really did love Job Search. It's a really interesting little tune. How about Timothy? I feel like you stacked the fucking... I feel like you've stolen this election, Brendan. You know what, my friend... I know it's getting late and you you, you should be in bed, but uh, you, you need to watch your tongue with those accusations. <laughs> Tim has gone job search 2.9, dedication 3. All right, I'm, I'm going to stick him to integers from now on. He needs to stop playing these mind tricks from the other side. So what does that mean? That means dedication, not medication, goes through, uh, as does two Librans. Sleep, debt, snatches, and backdrop. It's been been quite a journey there. Stefan, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Stefan. Enjoyed your company. And uh, once again, thanks for your decades of of, uh, work for the cause. (laughs) Happy to pledge. I'd love to speak to Conway as well at some point. And and you're very welcome back if you want to come back when we hit round two in a couple of decades' time. (laughs) Just let us know. Yeah, ask me in 20 years. Thank you very much. All right, everyone, take care. Have a good evening. Bye-bye. Good morning. Bye. Bye. Thank you.